Good afternoon, folk, on another spectacular and most beautiful, deliciously gorgeous, <laughs> wonderful Wednesday afternoon here in Newcastle, Walls End, close to Lake, Macmo- <laughs> Lake Macquarie, but not really there. And you are with Danny, Charissa and Shalon looking up. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Were you that wondering? was a lot of adjectives there. I was wondering how many you had. Yeah, well, that's about the extent of my dictionary. So I basically ran I ran out of my dictionary <laughs> that's space. That's how good the day is. <laughs> that is just how wonderful. That really is. It's a, it's a beautiful day here where we are right now. The blue sky is out there. The birds are chirping. And it's a just beautiful spring day. What sure can I is. say? It certainly yes. is. And um, and the best news is that Jesus is coming soon. That is the best news. Amen. Today we are one day closer and every day is like a fast day closer mm-hmm. to the coming of Jesus. And so we're going to be once again unpacking from the Bible principles and lessons to help you, to help all of us prepare for the sound of the trumpet. That divine alarm clock is about to sound, my dear friends. And so you have tuned in at the right time and you're at the right station because we have an exciting message from God's Word through the words of Jesus, Charissa. Once again, we're looking at one of the one of the messages to the seven churches, the Church of Pergamos, is where we will be going today and unpacking that incredible message. So if you're the first time, you have jumped on board. We want to give you a big warm welcome wherever you may be listening to us from around Australia or beyond. We are so glad that you have joined us. So Shell, we also want to welcome you. Shell is our producer and she is just absolutely amazing. Shell, thank you so much for being here. And she just did a big bow and um and that was it. Now, Sharissa. Yes. Good to have you here as well. Oh, thank you so much. How are you doing? I'm all right. You're okay. Looking up. Looking up. Oh, well, it's it's better than the opposite, isn't it? It is. <laughs> and so, yeah, so today we um, have another exciting program. If you want to contribute a question or a comment, um, we've got an incredible testimony to share with you in a little bit that's come through from one of our listeners, and we'll be doing that um, after after the the break that we have through this lovely music break. But the numbers are 0491. 064-669, if you want to call, that's 0491 or send your message or text, and we would love to hear from you. So, folk, without any further ado, we're going to now move into a beautiful song from Nathan Tasker. I know this guy. He's a top guy. He's <laughs> I didn't in know a, he could sing. He's in the United States now. I didn't know that either. Glory <laughs> to his name. He's a man of many talents, and I had no idea. There you go. Down at the cross where my Savior died Where for cleansing from sin I cried there to my heart 
was a wonderful song. Glory to his name from Nathan Tasker. Here we are on Faith FM looking up. Welcome if you've just joined us in the last little bit. We have another another blessed program for you from God's Word. And as we take a look at the signs of the times, Jesus told us to be mindful of the signs of the times. Now he was speaking in context there, Sharissa in Matthew chapter 16 in concerning the signs of the times concerning his ministry and how all those signs were ignored, especially by the religious establishment. And so the Messiah was sadly, um, he was betrayed, he was uh, rejected by the religious establishment of his day and ultimately he was given over to the Romans who placed him on the cross. But that was all instigated by the religious establishment. It's hard to get your head around that, Sharissa. Sure is. How how the people of God 
instigated the the crucifixion mm. and the destruction of their Messiah that came to save them. Mm-hmm. It's just something. But you know what? We need to learn lessons from history. There's a lot of lessons to learn. <laughs> There's a lot of lessons to learn. So, folk, we are here to learn lessons, and the greatest lesson book on the planet is the Word of God. Amen. And the Word of God is indeed telling us that we are nearing home. We are nearing home. You know, there's a lot of excitement um, in a lot of homes in New South Wales mm. because Freedom Day is just around the corner. Have you heard of Freedom Day, Sharissa? <laughs> I, I have heard of Freedom Day. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know... You know, we wish them all the best, our double-vaxxed friends um, who will be enjoying uh, greater freedoms than um, some of us on, what is it, October 11? I think it's October 11, Monday, October 11, if I'm not mistaken. However, however, there is uh, another day of freedom coming. Mm -hmm. And that's the freedom day I'm looking forward to. Amen. And you know what day that is? When Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, hallelujah. When <laughs> Jesus comes. Now, Sharissa and I uh, are keeping track of some of, the, of some of the big prophetic items that are telling us that that day is coming sooner rather than later. Now, Sharissa, I'm going to hand over to you what, what has been making uh, prophetic news headlines in these past seven days. Oh, there's there's so many things. Um, first of all, did you know that there is a volcano that's erupting in Spain right now? Yeah, like a new like, one. Like um, it's starting to to um, to spurt a bit of uh, wow. ash and everything there. Spain so. didn't they? Didn't they? Or don't they have a volcano going on somewhere in Spain at the moment on one of their islands? Yeah, maybe this is the one. But there's been 6,000 people that have been evacuated from the towns of El Paso. I'm sorry, I'm not probably saying these things right. but And a couple of other towns here I can't pronounce. But anyway, it's just interesting. But probably in this ter- in terms of the signs of the times, probably one of the most incredible things that of all of the things that we could talk about happened just a couple of days ago on mm. October 4, mm-hmm. um, where Pope Francis and 40 faith leaders gathered together by invitation of Pope Francis at the Vatican to call for urgent action to combat climate change because, quote, future generations will never forgive us, basically, if we don't. And so that was, I, I had a look at the, and I know you did too. We watched uh, some of the. Oh, you watched some of the two hour stream. plus yeah. Yeah, episode of this ceremony that yeah. took place and the signing. Yes, it was surreal. It was really surreal. It was really surreal. I, I, I referred to it as um, Event Revelation 13.3. <laughs> event Revelation thirteen three and you now some of our listeners may be thinking, what? I've never heard of that event. That hasn't been on my channel nine or channel seven or ABC News or whatever. <laughs> Re- event Revelation thirteen three is found in the book of Revelation chapter thirteen verse three, where it says that at the end of time, the entire world would wonder after this politico religious power that today we know as the Roman church state. Mm-hmm. The entire world would wonder and marvel. This power that would receive a deadly wound, which took place in 1798, just over 200 years ago, but this power would have a miraculous resurrection, unlike any other world power in human history. Mm-hmm. This power, after reigning over a millennia, um, came to its end, but then had a resurrection. And Revelation 13.3 says the entire world would wonder and follow after this power. 
It's speaking of after the beast. And so this is what we literally saw over that two hours. We oh. saw who, who, was, who was leading the way? Well, um, the Pope was leading the way, but, but there were 84% of the world's uh, population that identify with faith was represented by the leaders that were present, 84%. So, that's, so that is the vast we're majority talking, of this world's population. Yep, we're talking uh, the large uh, Christian denominations, branches of Islam, the two branches, two main branches of Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, Sikhism, Buddhism, Confucianism, Taoism, Zoroastrianism, and Jainism. All of them were present. There were 39 different religious leaders because I took a look at this, uh, the... Oh, one was missing. Is, yeah, there, there was 39, and then there was a number of scientists, and then there was another... There was a number of other world uh, leaders, mm-hmm. and so this really was phenomenal. And um, we know, we know that this was very specifically um, orchestrated as far as those who were invited as world religious leaders to participate. It was, it was very, very clear to me because there was one individual who was missing. One world religious leader who was missing, who who is um, someone who's looked up to, especially by non-religious individuals. Mm. And guess who that was? The Dalai Lama. Mm. The Dalai Lama was missing. Now, why was he missing? Why? Because he has supported Taiwan in their independence. And if he was invited, that would not go well for the Roman papacy's relations with China. And China is, guess what, the number one climate, um, you know, climate change. Well, that's not the right phrase. China is the number one um, emitter of, of carbon. And so it's the number one polluter, to use simple language, you know, followed by the United States, followed by Western Europe. So it was fascinating that the Dalai Lama was missing. And once again, you know, it's not like uh, – it's not like um, – uh, the Vatican doesn't have good relations with the Dalai Lama. The Vatican seeks to have good relations with all religions, with all with with, with all with all politicians, um, and with with all with all world leaders, regardless of who they are. But it did not want to upset, you know, this this very important fine balance that it's trying to build up as we prepare for COP twenty six in Glasgow. Yes. Fascinating, that you is know. Very interesting. I didn't realize. Yeah. I, I, well, I didn't know that until I until I read it in one of the news items. It said, "By the way, you know, surprisingly, he was omitted." Mm. And I'm like, "Well, you know, from a prophetic point of view, it makes perfect sense." So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you know Pope Francis will probably send the Dalai Lama just a little apology and saying, "Look, buddy, um, there's a, there's a bigger picture." Um, at play here, and we'll we'll catch up over dinner some other time. I'll make it up to you. I'll yeah, make yeah, it up yeah. to you. Ah, oh, just amazing times. Huge, <laughs> huge, huge. So, um, yeah. Look, it, it's interesting. Just out of that, um, that document. I'm not sure if you had a chance to read some of that document. Did. You did. Yeah, it's I did. quite fascinating, isn't yes, it? You yeah. know, here, um, here is just part of part of this document. It says we need a framework of hope and courage. But we also need to change the narrative of development. Mm-hmm. Climate change is a grave threat. So, you know, so this language of climate change being a grave threat, being an existential threat, code red, you know, we're on the edge of the abyss. I mean, this is dramatic language. Sure is. I mean, you know, I get a bit dramatic, you know, when I give my welcome. You do. <laughs> but this is going above and <laughs> beyond. See, they're more than that. <laughs> this is, this is, this is. 
this is basically life or death yeah. for the planet. They're saying we will not have a future. We will not have a planet. And we have a window of 10 years to act. 10 years. That's what they said. 2030. They're saying it's all going to happen. Sorry? 2031. 2031, yeah. But I think they're, I think they're, 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 they're gunning for 2030, and, and that is because that is part of that um, United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals that mm-hmm. were issued back in 2015. And, okay, all right, you got me started now. You've got me started, and who knows when I'm going to end. But it's fascinating. Four and a half minutes. <laughs> Four and a half. Just as well we have that. Otherwise, our listeners would be listening. Well, they wouldn't be listening. I'd be, I'd be talking. You'd be home with your dear husband. I'd be here waffling to myself uh, with no one listening. No, no. But seriously, those 17 Sustainable Development Goals, which were designed to transform Transform our world, how we live, um, on the back of those eight millennium development goals that were put in place from the year 2000 to 2015. So from 2016 to 2030, we have these 17. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating that Pope Francis happens to be in New York visiting the US at that very time for the 70th anniversary of the United Nations General Assembly. Guess who gives the opening address? Pope. Pope Francis encouraging all the world leaders present there, the largest gathering of world leaders, to accept and adopt these 17 sustainable development goals. And they all signed up. And guess who's signing up now on October 4, two days ago? All the world religious leaders are signing up. And who was leading the charge? Pope Francis. Who led the charge back in 2015? Pope Francis. Who is leading the charge? Pope Francis seems to be leading the charge. Just as Revelation 13.3 says, event 13.3. You know what else is there? It's happening. Is at the bottom of the article I just read there that just before COP26, he's got a private meeting in the Vatican with um, the president, Joe Biden. No way. Yeah. Just before COP26. Just before COP26. Because it happens to be sponsored by the UK Mm. and Italy. Mm. COP26. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder where the Vatican is. <laughs> Are all these things coincidental that they all line up at just the right time? And this is our friend Pope Francis who says that, um, you know, and, and Joe Biden and others that are saying that this, that this COVID crisis cannot be wasted. We cannot waste a crisis such as this. This is our opportunity to pivot as a world community and get our world on track when it comes to the climate. And, you know, if I can just side sidestep and just say one thing that's sort of related but not really. Things can happen really quickly in the world. Look, we just lost Gladys Berejiklian. And our deputy. Yeah, and the deputy, just like that. And someone things else. Things change real quick. In a weekend. In a weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, things are, things are just changing rapidly. And we were told um, more than a century ago um, that the final movements would be rapid ones. Those labour pains are just like extreme now. We are code red when it comes to those labour pains. <laughs> yes. And I've been there and I've seen code red labour pains and it didn't go well for me either. We all know the story, so we don't need to rehash that. But, um, yeah, we do want to pray for our new Premier um, who's been elected here in New South Wales. It's a tough job. Um, I wouldn't want to have that um, for all the money in the world, you know, to be the Premier of any state in Australia. Um, and so Dominic Perrette, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah. So he's the Premier and um, we have an assistant, I understand, do we? Yes, yep, I I believe so. Paul Tool, like the Deputy Premier, Paul Tool? I'm sure he's got an assistant. I don't know, I was trying to Google it. Like today, well, I'm busy running a program at the moment, which I'll tell you a little bit later. I'm running a program that I started last night, so 
I'm busy preparing that. I haven't had time to check out the news, so I'm counting on Sharissa to update us on what's <laughs> been happening. Are there some other news items that we need to share either now or in the carryover after? Well, yeah, look. It's up to it's you. It's just interesting that there was actually a protest in New York uh, for Australia today. And this is not fake news. Not fake news. They were chanting, Save Australia. They had flags flying for us uh, because they're seeing, uh, you know, people um, – Losing freedoms here, and mm. they're saying that uh, it's not right. You know, I did, I did smile when I read it, but at the same time, I thought, oh, that's very kind of them. Oh, no, <laughs> on the just, other side of the world, I mean, Americans protesting on behalf of Australia because, <laughs> because we, it, it's illegal for us to. It's protest. illegal, but over there they can exercise their their constitutional rights. Yeah. And um, yes, folk, we are living in strange and unusual times. There is something I do want to pick up on after this, um, before we move into our study, but we will um, we'll leave that for now. And um, I hope and pray that you can you can gather from what we are saying that we are living very much at the end of time and those final events of Bible prophecy are about to unfold, I believe, unless God pulls up the handbrake again, and I pray that he doesn't, but we are almost home. So keep hanging on, keep looking up, and enjoy this song. And after this song, we've got the news, and then we'll be back. Monotony is right. It's all the same. Is there more to this life? What's the point of it all? It ebbs and it flows And on and on and on it goes This road knows no end We're just grasping at the wind But what if there's more?
Now and forever, He will give you. Dudes and dudettes, this is Robbie. And I'm Tash from Real Faith. If you'd like to have a more vibrant walk with God, then come join us from 3.30 to 5.30 every Thursday hour to hear fresh stories of God working in real people's lives. Digging deep into the scriptures and having a fun time. We'll We'll see see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Faith FM has a brand new live show each weekday morning straight after the breakfast show called Tassie Encounters. Tune in for fascinating discussions of history, science, faith, and personal encounters with Jesus. Tassie Encounters, live every weekday straight after the breakfast show on Faith FM. Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim, you can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Looking up to you. You're on Looking Up with Sharissa, Danny, and our fabulous Shell <laughs> driving this ship called Looking Up. So glad that you are with us. And we are looking up and we are heading home, Sharissa. We are. There's a few icebergs along the way. But There's we- <laughs> more than a few icebergs. <laughs> we are going through some very stormy, stormy seas. But if we have Jesus in our boat, we can smile at the storm. Because the good news is... There is a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not when we get to 70 or 80% or 90% or 120%. Um, Double-dose vaccination, Sharissa, the bright light at the end of the tunnel is the one who is the light of the world. It's true. And, you know, as much as we talk about these events, you know, Jesus isn't waiting for another natural disaster no, or for, uh, you know, the UN to do something or the Vatican to make some outstanding law or anything like that. 
Jesus is waiting for us to make a choice to follow Him, to to give our hearts to Him,、mm. um, because the Bible says in Matthew twenty four fourteen, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come.、Mm. So that's that's what we're excited about here on this show. Absolutely, and that's what Jesus is ultimately waiting for. And、mm. that word there, gospel, that you that you point out from Matthew twenty four fourteen, that means good news. Does. You know that's what the word literally means. Good news, and you got to ask yourself: Good news about what? Good news that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in His Son, Jesus Christ, shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And so that's the good news. That is what we are sharing, and all these labor pains that we are seeing、um, rapidly increasing are telling us that the birth <laughs> is nigh, and that birth. Is the coming of Jesus, and what an incredible analogy Jesus used! I、eh? couldn't I mean, think of a better one. I mean, I mean, you, you think about you think about labor pains. I can only sort of go I on. Think about it. Yeah, you can think of it. I've seen it. I've seen it、um, when my wife gave birth to our two two beautiful girls.、Um, you know, it's you know there there's the anticipation. You know, but then then you know the labor pains begin. And it's just hectic, and it's just awful to see, you know,、um, your loved one in so much pain and agony. But then, at the end of the labour pains, you see a complete contrast of emotion. You see, you know, joy and happiness, and just, you know, beyond beyond words and beyond description. When you know the mother's holding this little baby, or the father is holding this little baby or babies,、um, and so I just see the parallels. With where we are going through this very difficult and challenging time now, and、um, and what it will be, how sweet it will be when Jesus comes.、Mm, that's a that's a good thought. You know,、okay. when He holds us in His hands,、yeah. in His nail scarred hands, and says, "It's okay,、mm-hmm. it's safe."、Mm-hmm. I'm here. You'll never have to go through any more pain again. Never again. No more labor pains ever again. That is something to look forward to. Absolutely, and and on that note, you know, I really want us to be praying for, thinking of, and praying for all those that are making a choice right now. Some have already made the choice、uh, due to their convictions,、um, their conscience, their convictions. For for some, it's、uh, a spiritual issue, an issue of faith, and we're not talking about just Christians. We're talking about you know people who are who are not necessarily even religious,、um, and they have chosen you know not to take on board the vaccine, and henceforth, you know they they have lost their jobs or they will be losing their jobs, and so you know my heart really goes out to these individuals, Sharissa.、Um, we've never seen anything like this before in our lifetimes. Um, I've spoken to to some school teachers.、Um, they're in my church. We have a number of school teachers, and I've spoken to school teachers. And one school teacher, she shared with me that this was like her heart being ripped out. She's、mm. a primary school teacher, like her heart being ripped out. She's taught young children all her life,、mm. all her life for decades. You know, her her ministry, her life, her teaching—it's all one. This is not a job for her. This is her ministry, her love. She loves telling them about Jesus. She works in a Seventh Day Adventist school,、um, and she says it's like her heart has been ripped out from her. And boy, oh boy, those words really hit home, and I haven't forgotten them. Probably never will forget them.、Mm. 
there's a lot of people like that right now and um yeah, we, we want to remember them and pray for them, uh, that God will lead them and, and just guide them, be the strength that they mm. need in these times. These are, these are end times. These are end times. Mm. And, um, and I really do believe that um, if this continues, um, then surely this, this, this must bring us to, to the end because, I mean, how much worse can it get? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it will get a lot worse. It will get a lot worse. Um, you know, I just want to make a note of just what's been happening. You know, we were reminded by our conference president. You know, we had a meeting uh, with him today, all the various pastors um, around our conference here in North New South Wales, and it was dealing with what we're dealing with now and, you know, the stress, the anxiety, um, the, you know, the confusion, the, you know, just 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 the pain people are experiencing and you know outside of covid you know he he rightfully mentioned and i had noticed it as well uh, well i I'd, I'd, I'd come to learn of it but there are some serious religious liberties that are on the line um in wa in particular and victoria serious religious liberties like i was surprised i didn't had no idea those yeah, things yeah well um i sort of picked that up from from a, a you know a church sort of um memo email mm-hmm. that came through this week and I was like, "What? You've got to be joking!" For example, for example, that um, you know, our our schools, our institutions, like Christian schools, uh, regardless of of what denomination they may be, or any religious school in Victoria, will not be able, based on their faith, to make decisions on who they hire. You will not be able to discriminate. Um, so that's going to seriously compromise, you know, the 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 faith. And the and the you know and the ethos of the school, and that goes also for aged care. That goes for you know other institutions as well. So we're talking we're talking something extremely serious here, when it comes to religious freedoms being attacked. And we're going to be talking about um, in our Bible study today. We're going to yes. be talking about compromise. Oh yes, we got a lot to talk know? about. And that. Um, and compromise is something that we are faced with. Whenever things get really tight, it's easy being a Christian. It's easy being a, a person of faith when the sun is shining and everything is going hunky dory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what happens when your faith will have a serious detrimental impact on your life? Yep. You know, and that's what people are facing right now. So we want to be thinking and praying for people, and um, you know, this whole whole um, debate over conscience versus religious freedom. Um, we have religious freedom in Australia, but we don't necessarily. Well, we do have uh, the liberty of conscience, but to a degree. And um, so, yeah, there there is just so much at stake here, and we really need to be praying for our government leaders, especially here in New South Wales. We've got two new government leaders um, heading heading things, and so we need to be praying for them and encouraging and praying for those who are doing it really tough. I mean, you were telling me that people in Afghanistan are praying for. Is that true? People well, in Afghanistan are praying for Australia. Someone from Afghanistan has been watching the news in Australia, and they're worried about Australia. People from Afghanistan. It was in, yeah, it was. <laughs> this is Afghanistan. Yeah, Afghanistan. Wow, where 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 they literally day by day yeah. dodge bombs in order to in order to go about their daily lives. So, well, I, I just want to share one thing. I'm not sure if you have anything else, Sharissa, nope. um, but I do want to just share I've started a program, a seminar called Discover Hope, Finding Peace in Uncertain Times. So it's a three-part series. It began last night, and if you're interested 
in tuning in. We continue tonight. Um, it's all online, 7.30 to 8.30. So it's a 30-minute um, message followed by a 30-minute Q&A, roughly about that. And so you need to go to Discover Hope. So all one word, discoverhope.info, discoverhope.info, and you can find uh, the previous um, message that I shared last night and um, tonight, 7.30, that will be kicking off. And then tomorrow night, I have the third and final one in this Discover Hope series. So tonight's message is entitled Seconds to Midnight, and um, tomorrow night is Back to Normal. (laughs) <laughs> getting back to normal. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, yeah. You have heard a little bit about that. And um, and then next Tuesday, next Tuesday, I begin a new series. It's a once a week revelation of hope, God's final message of love to the world, where in 30-minute bite-size um, pieces, I will be unpacking over 10 um, Tuesday nights, the three angels' messages, God's final message of love to the world. The gospel that you spoke of in Matthew twenty four fourteen that is um, articulated in an end time context in Revelation fourteen six to twelve. So anyway, that's um, that's a little on that. So discoverhope.info. Amen. Wow. So well, with all that, we are ready to roll we into are. our Bible study. So it's an exciting study. Oh, we've got the book. Thank you so much. That's why I have Shell and Sharissa here. Otherwise, <laughs> um, nothing would go according to plan. <laughs> Okay, our giveaway today, and how many do we have to give away? I believe there is an unlimited resource. Unlimited resource. Provided you haven't already, uh, you know, obtained a prize. Okay, so if you haven't won about 10 books in the past, then you are eligible. (laughs) So, um, yeah, here it is. Here it is. This is is a really good book uh, by a fantastic author, Steve Wahlberg, and it's entitled False Prophecies About Israel, Babylon, and Armageddon. Whoo, that's pretty big. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll say that all again. False prophecies about Israel, Babylon, and Armageddon. So it's a full-on end-time book um, by Steve Wahlberg. Now, do we have a? We've got a testimony to share. Yes, Shell. I knew Shell was pointing to. We've got a powerful testimony. Do you want to read that out for us? Do you have that there? Oh, Shell. Shell does. Shell, far away. This is a powerful testimony. Yes. Yeah, so this came through um, for us yesterday. Um, a lady is in Adelaide at the moment. Her name is Monique. Um, she goes by Mojo. <laughs> and, yeah, she she has had to go to Adelaide for a couple of weeks for medical reasons. Mm-hmm. And while she was there, she stumbled across Faith FM. And she's been listening for basically, she, well, at the time, she had been listening for over 24 hours, pretty much straight. She said she stopped for some sleep, but other than that... <laughs> just been listening listening so intently and just yeah just truly blessed by what she's heard and yeah so she contacted us for a um a book and yeah just um her her last comment that she said was your programs are godly brilliant like brilliant and she said that she's been brought to tears she's been um just overwhelmed with the things that she's learning and she's just super excited and to get home and Praise tell all Lord. of her friends about wow. it. Wow. That's fantastic. Mojo, was it Mojo? She goes by Mojo. Thank you so much um, for sharing that with us. That's so encouraging. And uh, Did she mention something that looking up was her favorite program? <laughs> did she mention that? I can't remember. Well, she's been listening. I don't she's, she, she wasn't listening on the Wednesday yet, but I'm sure she will. Okay. <laughs> I, I might, I might have just thought I heard that. I might have thought I heard that. 
I, I am hearing a lot of things these days that aren't actually factual. But no, so we're really glad, Mojo, you you are being blessed by this wonderful program. So, Sharissa, in the next little bit, tell us what we are going to be looking at, and then we're going to go All to right. some music, and then we're going to dig into our Bible study. In. So we are going through a series of Bible studies together and looking up at the moment all about the seven churches, the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And this week we're up to the third church. So we've we've talked about the letter to the church of Ephesus. We've talked about the letter to the church of Smyrna. And we found that they were really interesting and there were lessons for us all in, in those ones. So today mm-hmm. we're going to Pergamos and I'm going to, I think we'll find it really, really interesting. Some amazing history here. Fascinating. So Sharissa has done her homework, folks. She has done her homework. And um, so we're going to be enjoying some great insights now. This church is um, located there in Asia Minor um, in modern-day Turkey. And so we're going to be looking at that and unpacking that. So, folk, if you have a Bible and you're not driving, uh, you may want to get that ready and and, um, prepare after this music, we're going to go to our Bible study, and you might want to just follow along um, in your own Bible as we unpack this all-important message. But in the meantime, sit back and enjoy this lovely song from Anna Beden, uh, A beating, beating heart. heart, a beating heart indeed. God bless and enjoy. Inside my chest beats a heart But I've pushed you apart I've never had a test That I passed My life was a mess From the start But you smile at me with love You descend like a dove You say, child, let me rescue But I wait 
Hope you enjoyed that song. Doesn't she have a fantastic voice, Anna Beden? Anna and a fantastic personality to match. Yes, yeah, so I've, I've briefly bumped into her, yeah. um, but you know her reasonably well, do you? Well, I've probably bumped into her a little more than you, but every time she's just a lovely Christian. She is a lovely person. Where is she these days? Up north somewhere. Okay. She Out got of... married. She's now oh, got she a married. new new last name. Yeah. Oh wow, fantastic. Well, Anna. All the best if you're listening in. We really appreciate your music and all the best in your in your wonderful life yeah. with someone. <laughs> all right, Sharissa, on that happy note. Yeah. Do you have something? No, I'm not really sure. That's, I'm ready to get into the Bible study. Okay, that is what we are here for. That is what we are here for. Shell is giving us the th- thumbs up. <laughs> and so we are moving into our Bible study. So, well, what shall we do? Shall we pray as always? And then ready to plunge in? Yes. All right. Do you want me to pray? pray? Sure. Father in heaven, we thank you again for the opportunity to study your word. We pray that you will lead and guide us. As we open your word, each and every person, whether they have their Bibles in front of them or whether they will be listening while they're driving or whatever else they are doing, we pray that your Holy Spirit will impress upon our hearts these words of Jesus that are so applicable and important to us right now. Mm. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So the Church of Pergamos. And uh, this, we're in Revelation chapter 2. We're going to look in, we'll be studying verses 12 to 17. And I've actually been trying to memorize this chapter this week. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, You're going well with it? Yeah, I think so. Praise I think I've almost got chapter 2. Wow. So um, here we go. Shall I say for you this? Say it off the top of your head and I'll watch it. Okay, and you watch it. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who put a stumbling block before, oh, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit, to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name written which no one knows except 
him who receives it. Amen. Wow, did you hear that, Shell? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's phenomenal. You've got an amazing brain. No, I've been Praise working very Lord. hard on this. Praise <laughs> Lord. Well, I'm sure, well, Justin, if you're listening, you have a wife. Nothing's going to get past her. Nothing will get past her. There are no secrets that you will be able to hold on to. She, she's Actually, got a brain that can remember everything. I wish that was true. But anyway. <laughs> Fantastic. Look, that, yeah. that, oh, praise the Lord. So, so, you so, know what? Maybe one day you need to do a bit of teaching on how people can memorize scripture. Yeah. Well, I'll give you my secret right now. Okay. There's an app called Scripture Typer. Oh, and okay. you can just plug in, you know, the chapter and you, you know, it tells you every time you get a word wrong, it goes red. And so you, it's an instant feedback. And so wow. that's been really helpful. So I've just tried to go over and over. It. Okay. Someone was telling me about uh, an app, a mm-hmm. memorizing scripture app. Scripture, so that must be it. Yeah. Scripture Typer, I think it's called. Oh, wow. There you go, folk. What's it called? Scripture Typer. Scripture ty- Typer. Yeah. Yep. Really, yeah. really helpful tool. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, so. we're ready to back up and talk through it now. Yes, we are. So back to verse 12. To the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. What strikes you about this verse? Well, what strikes me about this per- purse, this verse <laughs> is, um, is this two-edged sword. Um, Jesus, Jesus describes himself because these yes. words are the words of Jesus, and he describes himself as one who has a sharp two-edged sword. And mm. and this this reminds us of you know the vision that John saw of Jesus Christ in Revelation one sixteen, <laughs> excuse me, where if I read what it says here, he had this is John describing Christ who him who he saw in vision in chapter one. Of 16, he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two edged sword, um, and his countenance was like the sun shining in the strength. So, so we've got Christ, who is the Word, and this sharp two edged sword comes out of his mouth. So, obviously, this is a church that needs to get back to the Bible, mm-hmm, needs mm-hmm. to get back to the Bible, yes, because the previous church is, as we discovered last week, um, is a church where Jesus could not find a fault. Mm-hmm. You know, Well, th- that doesn't mean that they were sinless, mm-hmm. but overall, that period of history, for 200 years from about 100 AD to about 300, 320 AD, which is when this next church begins, about 320 AD in the time of Constantine, um, this church was pure. This church was faithful um, to Christ, but now Jesus has to bring out the two-edged sword. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. And it reminds me too of that verse in Hebrews 4, mm-hmm. um, verse 12, where it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And as as you were just highlighting there, Jesus is the word, mm. you know, the word incarnate. And uh, we actually just received a message from Freco. Oh, wow, Freco. And he just commented on that lady's testimony, and uh-huh. he just said, I know how blessed that lady feels. I found Faith FM just before COVID and still getting blessed. Oh, praise the Lord. God bless you, Freco. Oh, indeed, indeed. And it's interesting that the very first words in the book of John are, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. And the Word is speaking of 
of Jesus Christ, the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm-hmm. So that's that's central. Yes, and I like how you brought out that this church needs to get back to the Word because every time Jesus introduces himself to the, one of the churches here in Revelation, he always introduces himself by a characteristic or by a, something about him which is exactly what the church needs. So the, for the medicine. The, the medicine. Church like mm. in the previous one, uh, you know, to the church of Smyrna, he was the one who was the first and the last who was dead and came back to life. Mm. This is to a persecuted church. Yep, that's and right. then to Ephesus, um, he was the one who holds the seven stars in his hand and who walks in the midst of a God of who wants to have relationship with mm. his people, and they had left their first love. Mm. So here you've highlighted for us that this church needs to follow and be faithful to the word. All right. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I think I think that sets the, the platform. Okay, and I think too, as you highlighted, so we just recap, this is now looking at, from a historical perspective, the period of church history from 313, 320, right up to 538 AD. If we could just, yeah, sorry, yep. finish and off on that. Just one other point. The name Pergamos itself is mm. interesting. You had that one? Yeah, you go, go. It means elevated from what I could find. yeah. yeah. And you've been there. Yes, I have been. It's uh, it was it was it was a city that was on a hill uh, about three hundred meters high, um, so you know well above uh, you know the rest of the surroundings. And so cities back in ancient times were ideally built up on a hill, mm-hmm. and that was so that it could be more easily defended against yes. an enemy because it's a lot harder going up the hill yes. to attack a city than on the flat or, or, or worse still, you know, for the poor city if it's down the hill. Mm-hmm. No, nobody would build a city down the hill, obviously. But um, so, so it, was in a, it was in a prime position and this, this city um, and the church that dwelt in that city in the first century sort of felt confident that it was on a good wicket. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's say it was a, a church in the first world, <laughs> a church feeling comfortable in the first world, a high church up. We could relate to. Yeah, everything <laughs> was hunky dory, everything was fine and dandy, uh, because yeah, I mean, you know, who could threaten this city? Who could threaten this church? And so, with complacency, often comes compromise. Yes, we're going to see that too. Mm. Um, Did you have anything else on verse 12? Okay. So verse 13, Jesus says, I know your works. And he says this to every church, like Jesus knows everything that's going on in our lives. But he says, and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Well, we need to unpack this because anyone reading this just might not. (laughs) You know, well, catch it at first glance. You really right. have to go all over the Bible to to come to your conclusion. You so, right. so what's going on here? Well, here, here we have uh, a church. Once again, Jesus says, "You know, I I know your works um, and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is." Yeah, oh, that's so interesting. Satan's throne is. Now you got to think about you got to think about Satan. Yeah. How does he work? He works through deception. How did he deceive Eve at the very beginning of time, human time? Through lies. Through lies, but through deception. He mixed truth and error. You know, he said, did God say, you know, you are not to eat of all the trees of the garden? Mm -hmm. And that wasn't true. 
God had said, don't eat from one tree, not all the trees. And so he mixes truth and error, and that's just how deception works. And that's why he is so cunning, and he's described as cunning, more cunning than any other beast. And so here we have, here we have Satan, who could not destroy the church through persecution, now comes in through compromise. Wow. And so where he failed through the sword, the physical sword, now he comes in through through you know compromise which will which 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 will destroy the church and mm-hmm. over those next 200 years from about 320 to about 530 um AD we have compromise coming into the church absolutely you know it's really um when Jesus selected you know and the holy spirit in Pressed John, you know, gave this revelation to him, selected the name of this church. It was so fitting to describe what you just said, what Satan is doing here. He's now trying to bring the church to a place of compromise. And this is actually what historical Pergamos had to go through. Yeah. I was really interested to read about this and in that book that you've got on there. But it's um, Pergamos had paganism thriving everywhere. They mm. had the altar, a huge altar to Zeus. There was a famous shrine to the serpent god of medicine. It was also the center of worship for Dionysus, um, the god of wine. Mm. And uh, it's interesting that in in Isaiah chapter fourteen, where you know it talks about oh how how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. There in chapter fourteen, Babylon's invisible king is actually mm-hmm. Satan. Yes. But if we look at history in four four eighty seven BC, Pergamos has become becomes the so called earthly seat in a way of Satan because mm. Pergamos actually embraced this was history embraced the religion of Babylon and their kings assumed the title of Pontifex Maximus. Is that right? Yeah, or Chief Pontiff. It became the state religion in Pergamos, the religion of Babylon. By one thirty three BC, Attalus the third bequeathed the kingdom of Pergamum to Rome with all of its offices, both political and religious, and this is how Satan's throne was moved to Pergamos. Wow. Yeah. That is just incredible. Isn't it? All that history. And um, and it's just so fascinating how Satan moves his throne, mm-hmm. you know. And you you, know, you mentioned Pontifex Maximus. Yes. Um, when I was in Rome, I was at, we, we went and visited the Vatican. This is back in 2010. And guess what? Name you have all over the place at the Vatican. What? Pontifex Maximus. Wow. Amazing. It is phenomenal. Shell's got a well, question. She's, she's oh, we've t- only got time. I thought she had a question. Okay, <laughs> folks. God needs overcomers. He indeed needs and people who are mindful of the time. God bless and enjoy.
What a beautiful song. Hope and pray you enjoyed that. God needs overcomers. and um, New York City young people. Absolutely. That was them singing. That was <laughs> New York City, but we couldn't quite see them. No, but, no. but they were singing. Yeah. By faith we believe it was them. What a beautiful group a, of singers. What a song. What a great yeah. song indeed. And you know what? There's a blessing to each and every one who overcomes in all seven yes. churches. Yes. Every church. Um, through our Christian history, every person in the last 2,000 years who has overcome through Christ receives the gift of eternal life. There's Amen. a blessing for Amen. each one. Amen. So, Sharissa, do you want to continue on this yeah. study, well, the Church of Pergamos, this yes. compromising church? This is incredible because as Jesus addresses them, he tells them that he knows what's going on there and he says that Satan's throne has moved here. Yeah. Like that's in itself is amazing and, and just Adding a little more to the history there, Constantine is like the figurehead leader of this period of time, um, and he's the complete opposite to Diocletian mm. from the previous one. As you're pointing out, you know, the previous church was a persecuted church. Now we have Constantine come along. He he knows. Uh, he comes in 320, I believe. Yeah, 320. Um, yep. And he's been watching what's happening to the Christian church. And he sees that, you know, persecution's not going to get rid of them, but he could use their support in his own political, um, you know, agendas. And so he restores their property rights. He restores back to them a whole bunch of rights because he wants them on his side. And as soon as the church is elevated... With the, this marrying of church and state power coming together, suddenly people start putting their trust in government. People start putting their trust in the king, if you like, in, in Constantine and in Rome instead of God. And it's compromised. 
Yeah, indeed. And um, so this is where this is where Christianity now becomes the popular religion of the empire. Um, this is where Christianity is institutionalized. Mm-hmm. It's from this time that we have, you know, the the building up of some of these incredible churches um, that are still present there in in Western Europe, you know, in Asia Minor, or the ruins are still there, you know. Um, so this is where this is where we have that. It's fascinating to me also that at the very heart of the Pergamum, um, uh, sorry, the Pergamum religion was sun worship. Oh, That's yes. at the very heart of their religion. So, and guess what Constantine was? He was a sun worshipper. Yes, which was very much at the heart of the Roman, you know, the Roman faith, sun worship. Didn't he make? Uh, he did make the first ever Sunday law in three twenty one. Wow, March didn't take him long. Did didn't, it didn't take him long? One year, one year, and um, and that was to appease you know the pagans and the Christians. And you know by that point in time, a lot of the Christians had been compromising, mm-hmm. um, especially mm-hmm. in Rome, seeking to seeking to attract the pagans um, to Christianity. They'd been compromising, you know, on the the day of the sun. Yeah. And so a lot of changes were taking place. And then Constantine just rubber stamped it. And you know what? It was the popular thing to do. So if you're a Christian in uh, the time of Constantine, well, then you had certain privileges mm-hmm. um, that you would not have otherwise. And so instead of being persecuted, as you rightly pointed out, under the previous emperor, now the Christians enjoyed great liberties and popularity. Yes. And there's nothing like fueling compromise other than other than popularity, popularity fuels compromise unlike anything else. Ooh, I think we need to come back to that because that's a good, really important point for us to pick up on. And you know what? As I'm listening to you talking here, I'm just thinking to myself: this, in terms of Revelation being a love story, what what happens here in Pergamos sounds a bit like a love affair. Like there's unfaithfulness to Jesus going mm. on here because of compromise, and the church. You know, it really does represent what's happening here, that Satan has done a complete change in tactics. If you can't beat him, join him. Mm. And he's moved his throne out of paganism into the church. Yeah, He's infiltrated. Incredible. Well, who who is, it's interesting that, and we've mentioned this in the past, but Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus. True. He was part of the inner circle of Christ. And Jesus referred to him as the son of perdition. True. The the Roman papacy or the you know the medieval Christian Church yes um, was infiltrated by Satan and in Second Thessalonians chapter two and verses three and four the Apostle Paul there speaks of this system as the son of perdition mm. the same language that Jesus uses for Judas so that's that infiltration process now when Jesus and it was happening even in Paul's day that was yes. the beginning but then it, you know just like those labor pains it. Yep. It um it grew. Now, when Jesus is addressing this church, he is d- addressing the faithful in this church as well, but mm. also recognizing what's going on in the in the un- in the compromising church around them. Because he also says, "I hold you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr." A martyr is someone who dies for their faith, mm. uh, and Jesus calls Antipas faithful. Who is Antipas? 
Well, as far as I could see, there's no historical record of anyone like this by this name in the Bible, in the New Testament, and not anywhere else that we have found. But given that we're dealing with the book of Revelation, which is all signified, comes in signs and symbols, um, there's a re- mention here in, in the later on of Balaam, and in the mm. next letter there's a mention of Jezebel. These mm-hmm. were all uh, biblical characters that are symbols, not literally there, because they were in Old Testament, you know, thousands of years before. If we take Antipas as being a symbol and we break down what the name Antipas means, anti, against, pus, fathers, Mm. against the fathers, someone who's against the church fathers, we can see then that this describes an attitude that was in the church where people are now seeking preeminence, they want importance in the church, but they're not being faithful to Jesus in so doing. And actually there's just something here in um, 3 John, Third John, there's only one chapter here, verse 9. This is actually John, who's also writing the book of Revelation. He says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephanes, Diotrephanes, I can't say the name, Diotrephanes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Mm. So there was someone in the church who would not receive the apostle John, who had walked with Jesus, spent time with Jesus, is writing out the book of Revelation, mm. and he wouldn't even receive wow. that. And so, yeah, it was even happening back then. So John would have been one of the fathers, you could say. You know, he yeah. was um, he was seen, but this individual, Diotrephes, or however you say his name, he wasn't looking to give the respect and honor due to this spiritual leader in the Christian community, John of all people. Yes. You know, the beloved yep. disciple of Christ. Um, and so, yeah, so we're seeing this taking place here in the church of Pergamos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know what? They say power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So as the church now is gaining power, you know, before it was powerless from a political point of view, but now it is gaining power, political mm. power, prestige, prominence, um, and popularity. There you go, all those Ps. Um Yes, it is, it, is, it is now moving away from the word of God. And so Jesus says, I must come to you with my two-edged sword. That is the only hope to get this church mm. back on track that is sliding, sliding ever so quickly, not slowly, but ever so quickly down that one-way path that leads to destruction called compromise. Yes, powerful. You know, on this point, I think I'd just like to highlight too um, what Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, uh, the Thessalonians in chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Listen to this. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, Jesus coming, will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, Mm -hmm. the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself. Mm -hmm. Pergamos means exalted. Mm -hmm. Um, Who exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Wow. Like Satan's moved his throne here into this place and um, he he wants worship. From the pagan world. Into the Christian world. Yes. Wow. And you know what? You know, we talk about, um, we use the analogy of the church being like a ship Mm. or a boat um, on the sea and the world being the sea. Mm -hmm. It's okay when the ship is on top of the water or the boat is on top of the water, but there is a problem when the water gets into the boat or into the ship. And what we find here is the water, the world, getting into the church. 
And we actually have that in the book of um, James, mm. James chapter 4, where, where this is addressed. And, uh, you know, we have, you know, you mentioned Balaam, and that's very much at the, at the heart of that. But here we have this compromise. And James chapter 4, verse 4, James writes, Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself or herself an enemy of God. So when we seek to mix and mingle the ways of the world with the ways of God, we end up committing spiritual adultery. Ooh, because yeah. the church or those who are those who are faithful to Christ, Christ is the you know Christ is the groom. His bride is the church. When we move away from Christ and his teachings, he is the word, and when we seek to to, to become popular um, and accepted by the world, Jesus said the world will not love you because it did not love me and so on and so forth. Um, when we seek to receive that you know, affirmation from the world, well, then we commit spiritual adultery against Christ, who is our husband. We walk away and we become a Jezebel. Absolutely. And the church of that time? recognize that in 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 um historical pergamos and the you know the application to christian history here they recognized that if they were going to be faithful to god there had to be a separation mm. from the world from a corrupt church even in fact if i quote um, from a book great controversy page 45 the author says that in their minds they said let there be difference and even war. Like wow. that's how strongly they felt about the need to be obedient to God's word. And so there's a, a separation that mm. happens um, in this period and and Jesus is addressing that church that separates. So this is probably the beginning of well, well, I guess the foundation for what what will take place, which is the Dark Ages, which is the next church that True. we're going to look at next week. Yeah. And so you already have this separation of of those who will not be moved but will stand on the word of God, rain, hail, or shine, and those who are willing to compromise. That's right. And it's fascinating. I believe we are coming to that point now. We're coming to yeah. that point now where we have the word, and I see it in Christian circles. The people mm-hmm. that I mix and mingle with, some are like, well, you know, for the sake of this or for the sake of that, I think it's not such a bad idea that we give in a little bit here, compromise a little bit there. And so we are now living in that time as well. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing very clearly those who are saying, no, I'm going to stand on the Bible like Martin Luther, rain, hail or shine. Absolutely. And those that are like, well, we need to do that, which is, you know, sort of in the best overall good of our situation and that which is not going to be too difficult on our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think if on this note, if we just move into um, as much as we can get in, in verse 14, after all of this, Jesus says, but I have a few things against you to the church in Pergamos because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Uh, this is a big story <laughs> huge, um, right here, but... Jesus is not happy with people here who seem to uh, believe whatever Balaam taught. So mm. what, 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 what's that? Well, Balaam taught compromise. Mm. 
That's what he taught compromise. And number two, um, Balaam was some. <laughs> excuse me. Balaam was someone who loved the things of the world. You know, when you read the story, and we don't have time to read all those chapters, but Numbers twenty-two to twenty-five, those three, those four chapters, are the story of Balaam. The children of Israel are on the borders of the promised land. They've been wandering for forty years. They're on the borders of the promised land, and King Balak from Moab, he seeks. Um, to put a curse on the people of God, and he uses this prophet Balaam, who is supposedly a prophet of God, in order to curse the people of God. And God told him, don't go, but Balaam chose to go because there was there was incentive there, there was wealth and incentive. And so he was after the things of this world, and he was compromising what God said. Wow. And uh, that's really interesting because then Jesus also adds in verse 15, thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. And we heard about these guys in the letter to the church of Ephesus. But that's right. I was interested as I was researching this when he says, which thing I hate. Another way of saying that would be in like manner, mm. basically suggesting to us that what Balaam, the doctrine that Balaam taught and he taught Balak, um, is the same thing that the Nicolaitans believe. So it's, we'll come right. back and we'll talk more about it, I guess, after this break, but they're the same thing. They are the same thing. One's Old Testament, one's New Testament. So we're going to look mm-hmm. at that after this break. And so there's a little bit more we have to share with you, but now we have a break, and um, then we're going to go to the news. And after that, we will be back with you. So don't go away. But sit back and enjoy Balsam Range from Grit and Grace. And we'll be with you after the news. There's holes in my heart, scars on my soul. Nights I fell apart, and days I lost control on the inside. Somehow scraping by, climbing every hill Too stubborn not to try, and never lost the will to wander When I'd hear the steel beyond the thunder With one pot moxie, another pot metal I found mercy, refusing to settle for a hiding place Sacrifice and second guessing, finding strength in every blessing. Through all the tears and fears I had to face, I supplied the grit, God supplied the grace. Claw, tooth, and nail, through heartache and hell, pray to prevail. Tell another story One that had a happy ending for me Parted with my pride Learned how to trust With mercy as my God All the doubts they turned to dust In the chapter Of who I grew to be ever after 
with one pot moxie, another pot metal. I found my sea refusing to settle for a hiding place. In sacrifice and second guessing, finding strength in every blessing. Through all the tears and fears I had to face, I supplied the grit. God supplied the grace. Refusing to settle for a hiding place In sacrifice and second guessing Finding strength in every blessing Through all the tears and fears I had to face I supplied the grit God supplied the grace So oh, I supplied the grit God supplied the grace Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I'm Robbie Bergen, and I'm inviting you to tune into my brand new show right here on Faith FM, The Faith Experiment. Join me as I share with you my personal experiment with faith and how September 11, 2001, helped shape my worldview. I've got great giveaways, so join me on Mondays right after the breakfast show right here on Faith FM. Do not boast over me, my enemy, for my father is the victor. Your darkness only makes him brighter. He'll make me more than a conqueror. When I fall, I will rise again. 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 Do not blow over me, my enemy. Disappointments push me deeper into dependence on my father. I hold on to him, my helper. When I fall, I will rise again. When I fall, I will rise again. When I fall, I will rise again When I fall, I will rise again Do not rejoice over me, my enemy Every trial makes me stronger Every failure makes me wiser As he refines me in the fire when I fall, I will rise again. 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 Oh.
When I fall, I will rise again. 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 Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. It's a free giveaway that you can claim, you can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Looking up to you. Well, we're in the final run of looking up. We're in the home stretch, Sharissa. It's been another exciting study in God's Word. Yes. Before we continue the study and, and wrap that up, just a reminder, we are giving away this book today. It's called False Prophecies About Israel, Babylon, and Armageddon by Steve Wahlberg. So we have 25 books only. So for the first 25 listeners that will call in, it will be yours to keep. So here's the number. You can either call or you can text 0491 064 669 or 1800 324 843. So the first 25 individuals to come through, the code word is sword. Sword. Spelt S-W-O-R-D. That's it. So that's the code word. We've been talking about the sword. Um, that two-edged sword, which is the Word of God. So that's the code word for this afternoon. So the first 25 people, your book, False Prophecies About Israel, Babylon, and Armageddon. It's a great book by Steve Wilber. I'd love oh, to get my hands on yeah, that. Yeah, me too. Oh, All right, Sharissa, yeah, lead well, us on. We are on the home stretch now, and we just left off before the break as we were starting to look at Balaam, the story of Balaam, and we you highlighted for us uh, really well the you know very quickly too the story of Balaam, how he compromised for the things of this world, compromised for money, mm. and um, then right after that compromise is the whole story of the Midianite women coming into the camp of Israel, and again there was a compromise right there on the borders of the promised land. Wow. Yep. And it's interesting, uh, we were pointing out just before too, when Jesus says, um, but you also have there those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, mm. um, which thing I hate. And in other words, he could have said, which um, in like manner, the same thing that I hate. So there is a link between the doctrine that Balaam taught, Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel and the Nicolaitans. And it's interesting too, as I was studying in this book here, An Enduring Vision, uh, Revelation Revealed, uh, the author of this book quotes and, and puts points out that the meaning of these two names are very similar. Mm. Nicolaitans, Nico, uh, Nico and Laos, it means conqueror of the people. Wow. Yeah. And Balaam means destroyer of the people. Mm. And so um, if I can just read to you uh, this verse in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. I didn't know this verse existed till today. But here it says, Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, they have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. Listen to this. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, mm. the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Wow, that's Second Peter, isn't it? Second Peter chapter 2. 
verses 14 and 15. Yeah. Yeah, very, very powerful. And, um, and it's interesting that here in this Andrew's Study Bible, as I take a look at um, that term, uh, the Nicolaitans yes. is the Christian counterpart of Balaam. In the oh, Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. So we've got one in the Old Testament, Balaam, and in the New Testament, the Nicolaitans. And, um, and Balaam, as you pointed out, not only means a destroyer of the people, but it also means not of the people. Yes. Not of the people. And the Nicolaitans here, it says, yeah, destruction of the people, which is, yeah, Balaam, you know, and one who destroys the people. And it's through compromise, through yes. compromise. And, and sometimes compromise even looks like tolerance. Yeah. Where we just we put up with it, mm. um, and that's a danger. I think that the church and Christians we face today. How much will you tolerate? You know, before you actually take a stand for what is right. And if we think about it, this whole letter is is actually in this letter. Jesus commends those who stand up and speak up and not tolerate. Remember, in the beginning, he was talking about um, Antipas, who yes, you know, right. who was his faithful martyr, who did not deny my faith or my name. Mm. That's the name of Jesus and the faith of Jesus, this uh, symbol is. And so, yeah, I guess we need to deal with um, with this. And in light of what you read in James, we need to deal with spiritual adultery, with compromise, with the snare of tolerance. God wants us to deal with it with the word of God, mm. the sword, Amen. <laughs> that sharp two-edged sword. And that's the only way to deal with compromise is the the word of truth. Amen. It's the only thing that can inoculate us against compromise because compromise is our default. Yes. I mean, who wants to be uncomfortable? Yeah. You know, we all enjoy our comforts. And so we don't want to, you know, we don't want to put ourselves at any risk if we can help it. And so that's where compromise is so attractive. And so that's why we desperately need the Word of God and the Holy yeah. Spirit to convict us to stay on that path like Martin Luther. Here I stand on the word of God. I can do no other. May yeah, God help me. Yeah. Something to stand for. Absolutely. And, you know, the Nicolaitans and those that uh, taught the doctrine of Balaam, they would have been thinking that liberty means license, but liberty is not license mm. to do whatever you want. Good point. And freedom from the law to do whatever. That's what they taught. But that's not the teaching of the word of God. In fact, you know, that's been the lie of Satan ever since mm. day dot, you know. But for us... True freedom comes in being obedient to God. Absolutely. And just one final point before you may 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 want to go on to that section of the overcomers, and that's you know, the call of Christ, repent. Yes. And that word there, repent, means do a U-turn. Amen. You know, you're heading in the wrong direction, do a U-turn. It's the same message that Jesus shared, that John the Baptist shared, repent. Peter on the day of Pentecost, repent, repent, repent. It's the, it's the message to Laodicea, which is our day, and we're going to get to that repent. And so that's the only solution, you know. Mm. There's no mamby-pambing with, um, with, with sin and with compromise. We need to repent and turn away from that and follow the right path. Yeah, amen. And uh, the Holy Spirit will lead us and the, the Word of God will guide us. Mm, and um, just thinking, as you said, that, you know, that Balaam, historically, the book of Numbers tells us in Numbers 31, verse 8, that Balaam, the son of Beor, they also killed with the sword. Oh, wow. He was killed with the sword. Jesus here, when he addresses this church, he says, he is the one who has the sharp two-edged sword. That's the word of God. Jesus is the final word. God's word is the standard by which we are judged. And um, this is what the call is to this church. Well, powerful, ready for the powerful, last bit? Powerful, yeah, indeed, indeed. 
So do you want to read verses 16 and 17? Sure. Repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Mm. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. All right. This is a nice finish to the church. It's a great finish. It's a great finish. But um, what is it talking about here when Jesus says to this church, the overcomers, that he will give some of the hidden manna to eat? Well, that's in reference to the manna that God gave the children of Israel that you can find there in Exodus chapter 16. Um, He gave them this bread from heaven and we have that we have that again in the New Testament where Jesus says, you know, I am the bread of life. Mm. And so Jesus is that bread of life. So, you know, and, and the word of God is the bread. You know, mm-hmm. give us this day our daily bread is more than just our physical bread. Yes, it's our physical bread, but we need more than that. And in fact, Job um, chapter 23, verse 12 If I can quickly go there, it's interesting what Job has to say um, as he compares physical bread to spiritual bread. So that was Job 23 and verse 12. He says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips, speaking of of God's commandments and God's lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth, God's mouth, more than my necessary food. Wow. Wow. So... By returning back to Christ, by returning back to being faithful to Jesus Christ, by by receiving that two-edged sword, the word of God will be nourished, will be fed, and 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 we will be healthy Christians once again. I like that there, even that addition of the word healthy, like in 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 the children. Well, in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were on their way to the promised land and God is raining down manna from heaven, you know, it's from heaven, first of all. It's for all, it, and it helped them to have lives free of disease. Amen. Amen. And, um, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Hid. This is hidden manna as we mm. hide the word of mm. God in our Beautiful. hearts. Beautiful. Um, we will be able to not compromise when things in this world call us to do so. Indeed. And Jesus said, yeah, in John 6, verse 48, he said, I am the bread of life. Amen. And verse 49, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. But he goes on and he says, you know, if you eat the bread, you know, that I will give you, which is, which is you know, my flesh. And um, in other words, he's saying partake of me. Have a, a relationship with me, and I mean, what what do we partake of when we were communion service? Bread, the bread and the grape juice. And what does the bread represent? It represents the body of Christ. And what are we to be? We're to be the body of body Christ. Christ yeah. And so we partake of Christ. We are, we have this intimate relationship with Him. Amen. Very powerful. And then not only that does Jesus promise the overcomer hidden manna to eat, but He says, "And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name." So you get a stone and a name. Mm. Manna, stone, name. Wow. Uh, what's the significance? Three yeah, three things. What is the significance? Do you think of this white stone? 
Well, according to according to what I understand, and once again that was um, pointed out in Austin Cook's book, An Enduring Vision, Revelation Revealed, he, he shared that when a judge would give a white stone, that would be that would be someone who's being acquitted, someone who is being judged as righteous. Whereas if you're given a black stone, well, that meant, you know, <laughs> you're off to the off to jail if you're lucky, and the key will be thrown away or worse. And so the white stone represents victory. It represents um, being pardoned. It represents being forgiven, yes. righteous, you know, um, you know, being acquitted. And so Christ forgives us. He sets us free. That's those, you know, I remember the white robes. Those who receive the white robes of Christ and his righteousness, they are the ones who receive, you know, the crown of life. They are the ones that are victorious. Wow. You know what I found when I read as well? Um, might have been in a different book, this one. But you mentioned victory. The white stone was also given to victors at the games and had their mm. name in it. And it was. Is that right? Yeah. And listen to this. It gave them special, special privileges and admission to places like the passport. Wow. <laughs> like a vaccine so this passport. This was the original passport. <laughs> but uh, so when Jesus says, I'll give you that white stone. Not only is he saying, "I've you know, you're not guilty, and I'm giving you access, admission. All these privileges. All these privileges. But it's like he's giving us access and an admission to a heavenly banquet wow. where you can have a delightful meal that God will give, hidden manna. Um, and this new name business, you know, a new name is always associated with like a new character. Mm-hmm, Jacob mm-hmm. had his name changed to Israel. A new status. New status. New, new yep. birth. Um, and here it's the overcomer. And so it's like, it's a very beautiful picture to finish with of an intimate time with God that he gives you access to. Mm, I love it. I love it. So new. And that reminds us of Revelation chapter 14 and verse 1, where God's end time people who go through the great mm. tribulation have the Father's name yes. written on their forehead. So they have the Father's character. They follow the Lamb wherever he goes, the character of Jesus Christ. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Amazing. You know, and they share the, the message of God's love with the world. So, yeah, this this picture is all the way through Scripture, and especially in the Book of Revelation. I don't know about you, but as I as I read that and I think about that, it's it's a very inspiring call to be faithful. Mm, amen, amen. And even though it may be challenging and difficult um, in the here and now, but what Christ promises to those who overcome through him is that banquet, is that eternal banquet that they will enjoy in a place where there will be no more sin, suffering and sorrow. So my dear friends, I hope and pray that you will seek that stone, that new name from Jesus Christ and that you'll be part of his kingdom. Sit back now and listen to Danny Bryan. Jesus calls us and we'll be back to finish off in just a moment. Jesus us over the tumult of the sea daily hear him come out Christian come and walk with me Jesus calls us from the worship of the things that we Joy. 
flowers of ease Still he calls us Come on Christian, love me more than these Jesus calls us By your mercy may we hear your call Give us What a beautiful song, Sharissa, and I think that is a wonderful way for us to land. Um, Jesus calls us. He calls us. And every single message to all seven churches ends with a call from Jesus. You know, he desperately wants all of us to be part of his kingdom. So, folk, I hope and pray that you have enjoyed this study as we have been taking a look at the lessons that we can learn from the church of Pergamos this church uh, that was placed in a situation where compromise was appealing, but in spite of that, Jesus had people who were not willing to compromise. They were willing to suffer persecution um, rather than profit. Absolutely. And so we need that today. We need to have the backbone, the spiritual backbone of our brothers and sisters who lived, you know, all those years ago back in the third and the fourth and, and, and the 5th century, you know, during that 200-year period from about 320 to 530, we need that same spiritual backbone um, in order to be faithful to Jesus, and he's willing to give that to us. Now, we've got a question that came through, Sharissa. We do have a question, and, um, and it is, just pulling it up here. The question is from last viewer named Cheryl. And Cheryl says, Have you ever considered that the time on this earth since creation has represented the creation week? In 2 Peter 3.8, it says, If it's so, we are the time, or if we are in the time that represents preparation day, the sixth day. The thousand years in heaven will be the Sabbath, giving the whole planet a Sabbath rest. This is just me trying to fathom why we go to heaven for a thousand years, and it seems to be the only explanation. What do you think? That's a great question. Um, we thank you so much. What What was the... Cheryl. Cheryl, thank you. I was going to say Charisse. I'm like, no, it can't be Charisse. That, that's me. That's you. <laughs> Cheryl, thank I you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for your question. Yes, it. Um, yeah, th this has been observed uh, by many students of the Bible that we have 6,000 years of history, roughly, up until this point, and we had six days of creation, and there's the seventh-day Sabbath, and then there's 1,000 years 
where this earth will rest, and the Bible refers to that as the as the one thousand years, or today we refer to it also as the millennium. And so I find that fascinating um, as well, Cheryl. And I I believe that that this is just uh, another. Another prophetic symbol. Um, we don't exactly know when the 6,000 years are up. They may already be up um, from when sin entered this world or when God created this world. We don't exactly know. But we know that we are almost there um, or we are just beyond. But either way, um, we we are looking forward to, to that Sabbath rest mm. in the New Jerusalem. And so... It's a, it's a great observation. Many have made it. It's interesting that, you know, this, uh, this, when the children of Israel worked the, the land, they had six years to work the land. And then on the seventh year, they rested the land. Um, also, you know, slaves and, um, you know, six years. And then in the seventh year, they were released. So the seventh year was a, a release year. And, um, we've got the Jubilee after seven sevens, you know, in the 50th year, that was the Jubilee and, and the, and the year of release, the year of the land going back to the original owners. So the sevens are, uh, are, are a time of release. It's a time of rest. It's a time of salvation. So seven is very significant from that point of view. So yeah, 6,000 years and we're looking forward to our Sabbath rest. Um, in the heavenly courts above before God recreates this world at the beginning of the 8,000th year when he makes all things new as he did at the beginning of time on the first day he created the world. So that's quite fascinating. And Jesus rose on the eighth day, you know, on yeah. Sunday, which yeah. is, you know, the eighth day after the Sabbath, the true, seventh true, day, true. so the first day of the week. So there's a lot there. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Very fascinating. Wow, time's gotten away on us. It has gone away. I just really need to plug this book again. We've got a few more copies, um, <laughs> like about 20-plus copies, <laughs> False Prophecies About Israel, Babylon, and Armageddon by Steve Wahlberg. If you haven't got that book, you want that book, and I don't think many of you will have that book, phone up right now. One, Sorry, I was going to give you the 1300. Don't worry about that one. Uh, there is no 1300 <laughs> number. 0491 Text us your details with the code word, which is SWORD, S W O R D, and that book will be yours sent to your home. Sharissa, do you have a final thought? I do, actually. Little quote from Book Great Controversy. Question is asked. Why is it that persecution seems in a great degree to slumber? The only reason is that the church has conformed to the world standard and therefore awakens no opposition. I'll skip to the end here. She says, let there be a revival of faith and power of the early church and the spirit of persecution will be revived and the fires of persecution will be rekindled. Wow. So that's where we are heading. That is where we are heading. Well, do you want to have a prayer before we close off and ask that God will give us that strength to remain faithful? Oh, Lord, thank you for the letter to the Church of Pergamos. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to Jesus till the end, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. And, folk, I hope and pray that you have been blessed um, with our Bible study on the Church of Pergamos. Next week we're going to Thyatira, which is the corrupt church, the fourth church. And just a reminder, discoverhope.info. I continue that Series tonight, discoverhope.info. Join me 7.30 tonight as we take a look at the signs of Jesus coming. He is coming soon. Hallelujah and praise the Lord. So in the meantime, remember, fear looks around, regret looks back, but faith keeps looking up. God bless you and enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up, don't give up.
give up, don't give up Should the tears begin to stop With a prayer all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea His love is always 